So we pray, and then let's let's get into this. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Um, I ask that you uh, focus our minds, keep them sharp as we dive into this passage, um, and reveal to us truth. Uh, Lord, you use parables um, to both inform at a heart level um, and to hide at a head level for those who are arrogant. Um, and Lord, we ask that you speak to our heart here tonight in your son's name. Amen. We're in Luke 8. Um, we skipped a little bit, so if you want to go back and uh, fill in the in-between, do that this week. Um, we're also skipping the rest of eight for three weeks from now. So you have three weeks to kind of get all the way to chapter nine if you want to. You can even read chapter nine. It's called a preview of what I might teach on um, if you wanted to do that. But know that that's coming. So we have Luke 8. Turn to Luke 8 in your Bibles. It, Luke is the third book. Matthew, Mark, Luke of the New Testament. So if you're at the beginning of the Bible, it might take a while for you to find. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 8. 8, if you turn sideways, the symbol of her eternity, and it symbolizes Romeo and Juliet in the card game. Half-Bits and Toys, which will be published next week on the internet. Um, sorry, I'm recording this. So <laughs> People will know more about the game that we've invented. Good job, T. Hey. So here's the parable of the sower. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And he sowed. Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The purpose of the parables. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, that's Jesus, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the one on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, for they believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares of the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in good soil, they are those hearing the word, hold it in fast, in an honest and good heart. And bear the fruit with patience. This is the reading. A good hitter in Major League Baseball is someone who hits over what we call 300 mark. Okay? Which means, for those of you that don't understand baseball, that they hit the ball and move to a base one-third of the time. That is what makes them a good hitter. But let's be real. They still fail two-thirds of the time to get on base via a hit. A good weatherman, whether those exist or not, seems to get lost in the clouds on his predictions regularly. But the fact is, a good weatherman does not have to be right all the time to be a good weatherman. But these are men who are trying to predict the seasons of the year, or men who work against other men who throw strikes. Let's be real. When we're talking about Jesus, we would expect Jesus, if he were to play Major League Baseball, to step into that box, choke that bat, and hit every ball that is pitched his way. Why? Because he's the son of God and he knows where the ball's going to be before it's thrown. We would expect that to happen. Likewise, if 
Jesus was a weatherman and he put on a suit. Why they dress up like they're going to a ball every time they step in front of a green screen, I don't know. But if he was a weatherman and he steps in front of a green screen, we would pack for the following day based on his predictions. Or would we not? But here we see Jesus, or at least seemed to be, a really poor farmer. 25% of his crop is what's sticking. That's weird. I mean, I passed Spanish class at a higher rate of 25%. That's true. Let's spend a moment reviewing the passage. I'll break it down for you. I would break it down for you, but I don't have to because Jesus does. This is the beauty of this exegesis, because he literally spends a whole paragraph breaking down the passage for you. Is Jesus just a bad hitter? Why is, why does he why why do these why is there's so much seed that doesn't germinate? A sower went out to sow his seed. That's not your first fill in the blank, but it's your first kind of section. The seed is the word of God. Now what is the word of God? That's a serious question. The Bible. I think we immediately think, well, that's the Bible. People just need the Bible here, and that's how they grow. They need information. But remember this, and I think we forget it all too much, especially in the Presbyterian Church. And that is your first fill in the blank. The Word became flesh. I think we forget that. Jesus is not sitting here and being like, well, if they just read the Torah a little bit more. No, he's talking about me. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus here goes out to all people. A knowledge of God goes out to all people. Romans 1, 19 says this. What can be known about God is plain to them, the people, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. One of my favorite responses by uh, apologist Frank Turek to an atheist who says he doesn't believe in miracles is, I hate to break it to you, but you're living in one. Because if we look at how the world works, man, that sure seems to be a miracle. Not only like literally, but like mathematically. Like the chances are so stinking small that we have to enter the multiverse with an infinite number of universes for it to satisfy their curiosity. We're living in a miracle. But not only did God reveal himself to the world by nature, he revealed himself to the world by becoming a man and seeking a relationship with his creation. Which we could spend a whole night on that alone. Because that's a cool concept. God became man. Why? So we could know him and he could know us. Intimately. The word became flesh. He sought after his people by living a perfect life. Dying an innocent death. Conquering death. And rose to heaven. Sending the Holy Spirit to live within his people. To be his connection to the world. One of the uh, things I was... um, Con- not con- confronted on, but just reminded of um, during my talk this week is uh, the speaker gave this little um, acronym. He said LUDRAP. Everyone say LUDRAP. LUDRAP. L-D-R-A-P-P. LUDRAP. L-D-R-A-P-P. And what that means is life, death, uh, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost, and, uh, and parousia, which just means Christ coming again. And that means when we talk about the gospel, a lot of times we focus as Christians on death. Christ died for our sins. He did a lot more than die for our sins. He literally blood wrapped. He lived. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell among us at Pentecost. And he's promising to come again. That is the gospel as a whole. 
And that's the beauty. So when you think about what is the gospel, what did Christ do for us? Love rap. There can be something that can stick in your head. Uh, Live, die, LD. Resurrected, ascended, Pentecost. Suddenly the Spirit of God comes to dwell amongst his people, not just God the man, but the Spirit of God at Pentecost. And parousia, which is just kind of the Greek world word for Christ is coming again. Love rap. Just don't throw gang symbols in here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Not sorority sister things either. <laughs> The seed is scattered everywhere to all people. Notice that when he talks about the gospel, to all people. And we can say that still and be a Calvinist, by the way. Okay? We can say that the seed was scattered to all people. Some fell along the path. That's your next kind of section. And was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Well, what does Jesus say about it? The ones that on the path are those who have heard. When the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they might not believe and be saved. I want you to understand this, and again, I think we miss this a lot as Presbyterians, and we're not obsessed with necessarily the spiritual realm, but there is very much a spiritual side to our conversion. A spiritual side to our justification. You have an enemy that does not want you to enjoy God, so he will do everything in his power to make sure, make it so that you don't know how. So that is why we pray for each other. We pray that God would draw us to himself. That he would keep us from evil. Think about it. What's in the Lord's prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. evil. There is an evil component that we are asked to be delivered from. So, this is your first fill in the blank. So we pray. It starts with prayer. There is a spiritual aspect to the conversion and justification and knowledge of God of both you and your friends. Circle it, exclamation point it, whatever you have to do to make it sit there. Prayer is super important. It starts with communing with God and it starts with recognizing Jesus and falling in love with him. Pray for those that you want to come into faith with Christ. Pray for those people. Pray for those who you probably don't want to come into faith with Christ. Pray for them too. Right? And pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. That your heart would be drawn to your Heavenly Father like new every day. I know I say that, and some of you want to get all hyper-spiritual on me and be like, well, that just seems selfish, AJ. Get over yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray the Lord would intervene in your lives and draw you closer to Him. When you hear, well, that's just selfish. That's the devil talking. And some fell on the rock. That's the next section. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The ones, this is what Jesus says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. If you want to be in your Bible, you can kind of underline that section. They receive it with joy. That's really weird. They're about to wither. They receive it with joy. But these have no roots. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. It looked like a good tree. It acted like a good tree. Notice how Jesus said they even received it with joy. They weren't like, yeah, that JC guy. 
you're not allowed to hang out with me. That wasn't them. They were like excited about Jesus. He emotionally met them at a point in their lives. Well, this is your next one on the blank. But it was an emotional experience, not a life-changing one. It was an emotional experience, not a life-changing one. When things got hard, when things got hot, when they started playing the real-life game of lava on the ground, they withered and died. I think many of you have met these people that at one time, or maybe even still do, claim to be Christians, but no fruit grows. Well, why does no fruit grow? Because they aren't feeding the plant. There's no desire for knowing him by studying his word anymore. There's no desire to know him by being with his people anymore. There's no desire to help the broken world around him. Does that sound like you? <coughs> Bless you. Does that sound like you? That apathy, as Jay put it so well at prayer meeting. Does it sound like someone you know? And some fell among the thorns. This is your next section. And the thorns grew up and with it, it grew up with it and choked it. And as for those, this is what Jesus says, who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of the life of life, and their fruit does not mature. I would spend more time here, but we live in America. And I think we get this one really, really well. We're actually going to probably talk about this one more in transformation groups than any other one we talk about. But I think we get it. There are riches and pleasures all around us. They look good, and some of them are good. Most of the things that look good are good at some level. Straight A's, good thing. Can I become an obsession and an idol and distract you from Jesus? You betcha. Having... Physical proudness, good thing. You betcha. Can it become an obsession? Yeah. Sports, music, hair. No offense. Shoes. Shoes. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot of things that can become distractions that are good things. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Quality shoes, good things. Right? The next section. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And what does Jesus say? And this is your fill in the blank. As for that, if you miss it, it's in your Bible. You can go back and fill it in there. And as, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. As for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. On a side note, these are like some of my favorite like lines in scripture. Anytime you get to a line in scripture that's like full of adjectives and verbs and adverbs, circle them like crazy because you can chew the cud on that stuff well. This is one of those is like, what does this look like? Well, with that amount of verbs and adjectives, you can really spend a lot of time thinking and dwelling on this um, passage. So every time you come across a piece of scripture like this, as, as it says in scripture, chew the cut. Enjoy it. You can really pull a lot from it. 
Again, this one I think we can understand pretty easily, right? Like it seems pretty straightforward. These are the true Christians. But I, I want to highlight the, the last words because I think we miss this in a culture to where if I didn't click a button in the last 30 seconds, I'm freaking out. And that is with patience. With patience. Part of me thinks I need to tattoo this like where I can like clearly see it so I can see it all the time. With patience. With patience. You notice I keep saying it over and over again. So when you leave here tonight, you're like, what did you learn tonight? That's what your dad will say in the car. And it's, you can't hear coming up. I'll say, what did you learn tonight, Sarah? I know you're with patience. <laughs> I think it's really easy to read this section of scripture and freak out. Well, my life kind of resembles one of the other soils, AJ. So, what should I do? Well, you should do something, not nothing. Again, apathy here is a very poor decision if you feel like, well, I kind of feel like I'm on the rocky soil. It kind of rocks here, just say here. Like, that, that is a poor decision, okay? But if you feel like that, you should do something. With patience is what led to good fruits. you got to remember here, the perspective of the farmer is he's already seen the harvest. He's already seen what has happened to his seed. And in this parable, it's just like God. God is sovereign. He's omnipotent. And because he can see the universe and history in 2020 vision, he is looking from eternity future back to where the seeds were sown. We, as we read this parable, are living in the present and looking forward towards eternity's future. So while the God of the universe can see what happens to the seed, we can't make the judgment on what seed is where at this point. Does that make sense? So I remember times in my life where I was definitely the rocky soil. Where something happened, someone died, something went horribly wrong with a friend, and I went, why God? And I doubted hard. Does that mean, well, clearly you're this, and that's what you're determined to be for the rest of your life. No. The beauty is, you plant stuff new every season. And in your life, it's very similar. So you have to keep that in mind as we read this. You can't say for certain, you're, uh, you can't say for certain that I'm, I'm, I'm poor off AJ, I'm not, I'm not meant to be a Christian because I don't fall on this good soil, or I'm for certain fine AJ, I'm the good soil. If you have those thoughts, that should scare you. But it all comes with patience in mind. Patience to bear fruit. Because here's the beautiful thing about bearing fruit. Remember what it says in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Once he starts bearing fruit, he pulls the fruit off and he uses it. Boom. Awesome. That means you're connected to the vine. <gasps> we might have just read that verse in prayer meeting right before and it might have something to do with the sermon. You know, it's amazing how God kind of orchestrates all that fruit and agriculture analogies. So if he planted the seed in good soil, he knows because of his perspective, and we have to trust it from ours. For those of you who are thinking of friends in concern to this, like, I don't know where they are. I don't know what soil my friends are on. Pray, as I said earlier, pray that they would bear fruit. And for those of you thinking of your own soul, pray that you would bear fruit. Like, I really feel like I'm on one of the first three soils. Pray that God would bear fruit in your life. Pray for the word of God to dwell in your heart. 
Again, not talking about scripture memorization, even though that's a good thing. I'm talking about Jesus dwelling with you. That's all over. With, 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 with. That's everywhere in scripture. He dwells with his people. He walks alongside with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for my God is with me. Heaven's all over. It's not just some force. It really is something that Jesus walks alongside you. And have patience. I think that's the key thing here. Thank you the example he uses here. I love this. He uses a seed. A seed. Like, seeds are like, like, can be this small. They can sometimes be nuts. They can be bigger for big trees. But the fact is, like, it's a seed. And, and the seed has every bit of information it will ever need to produce a root and make it a big tree. This itty bitty thing. That thing has all the information it needs to get where it is going. It just needs to be planted in good soil and with patience taken care of. It's a tiny ball. So with patience, we tend the seed and we watch it grow. Many of you did this at school in elementary class, whether homeschool or public school. When you're in elementary age, you took a bottle or a jar and you filled it with dirt. Remember this? Remember this? And you took a little seed, whether it's a bean sprout or a cactus sprout or something, and you planted it in the dirt. And then you watered it, because everyone's got to water their seed for the first time. And then you're like third grade, you're super excited. And you take the jar to the window, because it needs the sunlight. And then every day, for like the next couple weeks, you walk into the classroom or your living room or wherever you do school, and you're like, where's my seed? And you go over there. And if you're like any other third or fourth grader, you're like, Mom, it's not doing anything. It's not. It's not growing. Do you need to see growth to know that something is happening? No. I think that's one of the reasons he uses the seat analogy. Because just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean there's not something happening underneath the surface. That person that you've been praying for, which you're like, man, this guy's an idiot. Like, there's no way he's going to get it. Might be something happening underneath the surface. Man, this guy's a pagan. Like, how many people can he be, like, so rude and insolent and mean? Doesn't mean there's not something happening underneath the surface. This girl is such the gossip. Oh, my now let's talk about her. There is nothing happening to the gossip. We don't see it. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So, how so in life? And finally, one day you come into your class or your living room. And at this point, you've forgotten about it, right? Like, your teacher's watering the plant or your mom's watering the plant. Like, you just don't care anymore. And then you see a little bit of green. Out of the corner of your eye. Mom! Teacher! It's a nub! <laughs> Look at the green nub! <laughs> it's growing! And you're so excited because it's just a little bit of green that's beginning to pop out. And it begins to bend towards the sun that sustains it and gives it satisfaction. You continue to water it now, sometimes with more vigor. Hopefully you don't drown it. 
He didn't use that example in the analogy, but with third graders, it can tend to happen. Okay? But you have vigor. You see it. It's so cute. There's life. And if it's a flower seed, it begins to flower. And what happens with flowers? They die. They, dro- they die. But before they die, before they die, you give them so many nice, good opinions. That's a different analogy I'll use. But before they die, they drop a seed. Same with vegetables and fruits. They produce seeds. So the process happens over and oil again. Creates more seeds. It's awesome. I mean, think about it. It's awesome. You ever think about it? It all just started from this little bit thing. Hello. I am a rose. Like, if a little seed said that to you, you'd be like, no, you're not. You're a seed. But it's everything that it has to become a rose. It just needs to be good soil. It needs to be tied to Likewise, the little seed with all the information needed to grow and produce life lives inside of you if you are a Christian. If you are patient, that seed, which is Christ, the Word of God, will do amazing things with your life. If you take care of it, it will do amazing things. I, I hear this all the time. I want you to remember this quote. And that is, you will not see sanctification in terms of weeks or months. You will see sanctification in terms of years and decades. Okay, So you might wake up in three months and be like, AJ, I am, I am worse than I was three months ago. But you will not see sanctification in weeks or months. You will see it in years and decades. What's cool about the parable of the sower is that it talks about the stuff the seed falls on. But the beauty of the soil is that the rocks can be removed from planting. Fences can be put up to keep people from stepping on it. Thorns and weeds can be removed to help something grow. And that is what we are going to talk about in transformation groups. We're going to talk about preparing the soil and helping the seed grow. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I have a key for you. So, we're done.